Joe Agni here welcoming you to a special comeback edition thingy of Joe vs. the World. Uh, we are here because you demanded it. So many people say, when you bring this show back, I thought to myself, well, I, you know, I missed the show. I gotta bring it back for one time. We'll have some fun. All for a good cause too. More into that later, but who better to join me on this, uh, majestic endeavor than Mr. Justin Shapiro? Justin, how you doing? And I hope you're there. Uh, I don't know, maybe Rob Naylor, I guess. Well, you know, some people kind of busy. We don't listen to those people. What? They? I, I, I don't accept that premise that Joe and Rob Naylor were the first couple of JVT dubs. Never. Never. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm ready to sing, like, hello, my friend, we meet again. It's been a while. Where should we begin? <laughs> I'm sure this Seems will like forever. Yes, all right. I'm sure this will have all the impact and emotion of the return of Saturday Night's main event in 2006. <laughs> um, absolutely, well, we're here ready. today for a special project. I just remember when you and uh, Mr. Allen for Life on his show with a man named uh, y- Yamo Yamo. I already forget, but um, you oh. discussed the uh, the years of the 2000s, and I thought, what a fun project that is. If only someone was doing this for the year of the 90s or the years of the 90s. And I thought, if only computers were around back then. If, well, if only more than two people were on the internet, we'd really be in uh, in business. But no, I thought, you know, I, I like the '90s. It's kind of the 20th anniversary of the year 1990. Odd way to look Whoa. at things. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. So why don't we look back at the year 1990 in the WWF? I wasn't the, into the NWA and all that stuff, but let's look at the WWF. What do you say? Um, no. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Actually, I told Justin this would be a La Resistance retrospective. It's the only way I could get him on the air. So he's kind of he's kind of blindsided right now. But I'm putting my flag away. <laughs> now, okay, let's take it. Let's take it all the way back. All the way back. Year nine- George Bush was the president, and something about broccoli. Um, <laughs> I was in third grade. Bagel bites were the number one food in America. <laughs> And uh, at the time, I thought that wrestler was the coolest job in the world, followed by, um, I guess, space cop, maybe tied with um, like a roller coaster maker or something like that. So it was quite a time. Such such dreams. We should discuss uh, things are a little bit different now uh, than they were back then. There were one or two slight differences. First of all, it was actually the WWF back then, and I know I know we're eight years into it being the WWE. I've accepted it. I've moved on. I get tripped up when I have to talk about the past, like when oh Bret Hart won the WWF title in 1992. It's still odd to me, although um, I know that to a lot of fans today, I'm sure the the younger fans, the WWF is as antiquated a term as WWWF is to you and me, <laughs> and that just seems very wrong. Oh, now that you mention it, yeah. I never thought of it from their perspective. It used to be called F, you know. They probably say to each other. <laughs> and they got the F out in uh Right. We're bringing it, we're sticking it back in. That's right. We're F in you. <laughs> right in it. There was uh, just one brand back in the day, duh. Uh, for yes, the... it was the primetime brand. It, it was, yes. <laughs> it was just primetime. <laughs> for the, uh, the wrestling landscape... WCW was in existence, so you had viable competition, and you also had the AWA on its, on its last legs, and um, some uh, other minor uh, territories were Memphis, I think Portland was still running, they were running out, maybe Texas, 
I don't know, smaller groups. You had uh, Georgia, I know the IWCCW, or maybe just the ICW back then. Global was not yet arriving to save the day, but that's how it was. So, uh, yeah, there was, of course, no developmental guys. Just um, Guys just came from other feds. That's how it worked. I would read the um, PWI family magazines, and then, you know, they'd have the top ten in every league, and Mm -hmm. they treated all those leagues equally. (laughs) I was like, you know, oh, I wonder who the number one, like, champion is. Um, uh, You know, Hulk Hogan or the guy who won the USWA title from Jerry Lawler this month. (laughs) Will it be Dragon Master or uh, Kenny the Stinger in Texas cracking the top ten? Spellbinder? I mean, if he can do magic, he must be good. (laughs) Exactly. So um, this was your television schedule. You had uh, Superstars and Challenge, your syndicated shows, varied when they aired. I had them Saturday mornings, which were uh, a lovely way to start the weekend. I know others had them Saturday nights after Roller Jam or Roller Games. No, it was Roller Games at that point. I know Dave Meltzer would be mad at me for mixing this up. I had them Saturday uh, like lunchtime, and one would oh. air after the other. Yes. Wow, they aired at the same time. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <no>. What? <laughs> That's terrible. So that was uh, existential crisis for me, where it's just like what? I don't know what to do. <laughs> I need an adult's help. <laughs> you had uh, all American wrestling on Sundays at noon, and. Um Two hours. Which I w- was really excited about, and then like some of the same matches would come on, and Gene, yes. the huckster, would try and sell me a- that this was something special. And I was like, I know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and um, two hours of uh, primetime wrestling, 9 o'clock on USA. And my question is, why don't they include this when they talk about how long Raw, how long Raw has been on the air? I know that you know it's not the same show, but it's... Wrestling on Monday nights isn't that, doesn't that count for something? It's like another eight years they could tack on. That it would be the even more longest running yeah. episodic TV primetime extravaganza in contemporary modern uh, history of the world. It'd only be a slightly less big of a lie. It would take shows that air ten episodes a year even longer to catch them. <laughs> exactly. as if that is somehow a thing to strive to do. Yes. In, At uh, this pace, the BBC version of The Office will match Raw's 900 episodes in, uh, I guess, 150 or so years. Yes. It's good to, to stack yourself up against the Jersey Shore, which runs for six episodes a year. Oh, pussies. <laughs> and they only run one territory. That's, <laughs> well, they expanded into Florida this year, right? So You're, you're right. Yeah. They're doing better at um, broadening their international brand than that plan from 2007 where we were going to have, like, the Japanese WWE territory. That's right. And um, surely they can show up in the PWI right now. Perhaps they will have two (laughs) next to the (laughs) – they knocked out Steve Kern's PWF to uh, take that spot. Oh, good times. You also should – if you have them on – VHS, you should upload some of that old children's show that you and me were on in 1990, the Joe vs. the World <laughs> children's show, where we analyzed wrestling with puppets. I'll have to dig those out. Please. I think it was it um, Joe vs. Uh, Bobby's World. <laughs> Did you just ad-lib that? I'm very impressed. Joe, I've been waiting so long, and I 
took so many amphetamines to be sure. <laughs> All right. You also had um, this year there were four Saturday night's main events and uh, one main event that year. And um, television, the syndicated shows especially, if you watch them, you'd see mostly uh, jobber matches. I mean, I, mean I, I watched a bunch of these to kind of prep up, and these were nothing more than infomercials. I mean – you would get a sample of a wrestler against a scrub. They would hype uh, pay-per-views, and especially house shows nonstop with event centers. And like, I, believe me, I knew what was coming to the Boston Garden in August because I had them telling me repeatedly. And personally, you get yeah. personalized messages about um, from a wrestler to you about your town, talking about who he's going to fight and relating that to his other occupation besides wrestler, such as police officer, or <laughs> man who likes snakes. Be like, you know, the big boss man knows all about uh, being behind bars vis-a-vis police officering, so I will be good in this cage match. For you, Joe, in, in your backyard. <laughs> That's why guys were so good. They had to do a promo for every fan who was watching mm. and insert their name. That actually is a reason why wrestlers used to be better talkers, because wrestlers could ad lib and um you know i don't want to be all oh you know <laughs> ah it's terrible these days because um a lot of things are better today but um that that was that was a benefit i'd say letting guys be themselves with the what's that with the volume turned up is that the um cliche <laughs> with the volume turned up by bullet points yes by bullet points uh, we had a whopping four pay-per-views a year uh the rumble mania SummerSlam, and survivor series so those are the big four if you're wondering why they're called that and, um, yes, there was a five-month gap between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, which was astounding. I, I appreciated those, uh, the post-WrestleMania days where you could just kind of, you know, relax, see what happened unfold, and all those pesky pay-per-view hype centers. It was um, one of my favorite periods of the year, oddly enough. It was relaxing. Hmm. It was just um, people would bask in their glory, and you could you could be a little reflective about what happened. Yeah. I always think, like, if, if 1989 or if 1988 was in the the raw TV pattern that um, the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks would have been the main event on the raw the night after WrestleMania. <clears throat> or did I just blow your mind? I'm, I'm I got to recover from this, but uh, the shows were on different days too. I know uh, SummerSlam used to be on a Monday, which is odd because they had television on that day. Um, Survivor Series was Thanksgiving night, and um, I know the main, I know Rumble the next year was on a Saturday. I believe it was a Sunday this year, and uh, WrestleMania was at four o'clock Eastern time. I distinctly remember being done in time to watch America's Funniest Home Videos. It was that was eight the last one that was in the afternoon. I think so. Remember, sorry, at least so Eastern I time. I remember an afternoon spent with eight, mm. and then from there, no longer. Yes. So and. Uh, Belt-wise, there's only the World, Intercontinental, and Tag Belts. And you had other peripherals, like the Million Dollar Belt and the Kingship of the WWF. But, um, yeah, you just had those three. Uh, the belts certainly looked better. You had the Winged Eagle Belt, the IC Belt, which looked a hell of a lot better than that crappy oval thing they've had for, like, ten years. And I don't even want to talk about the Tag Belts today. It's too upsetting. <laughs> what about uh, Naoki Sano's light heavy, or junior heavyweight champion? <laughs> I don't know about that. You think you're on Alan's show? You have to talk about Japanese wrestlers? Um, yes. Okay. Actually, we'll talk to well, We will. We will, actually. Oh, we should run the same. Alan's on there. Yeah. Uh, you could be fat back then. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that's important. 
You're right. You did, not did, everybody had abs. No, you could. There were guys like you know Ted DiBiase in good shape, but not. Uh, he was not jacked. Jake Roberts, no. you know. And you had the Akeems of the world, Africa to be precise. Who was our last fat wrestler? This is bad. Um, Big Daddy Voodoo or Big Daddy? I don't know. Yeah, Big Daddy V kind of sticks out in my mind. Mm-hmm. Husky Harris is kind of, it's not the same, you know? No, like... He, he would be svelte for back... Uh, a guy who would use a fat man's offensive <laughs> assorted fat drops in which his weight is lowered onto a wrestler. Yes. I mean, Mark Henry is big, but he's, like, just, he has to carry all that weight on account of his strength. Hmm. Uh, the so project? I don't know. Probably blanking on some fat man. Uh, apologize. I don't, I don't think so. They've been on a pretty big anti-fat bandwagon for the last decade or so. That's right. Let's see. The product was basically G-rated as much as a show about violence could be. So, <laughs> I mean, you complain about PG these days, but back then it was like... Well, you mentioned some double standards in their... Uh, um President Tunney's enforcement. Of that's that. true. Well, okay, it was we'll get to later on. Anti-bullying legislation back then. <laughs> and you had an actual tag team. Right, that's why Big Bully Busick was forced out. <laughs> he was so short-lived. He's like, no, you know what? We don't allow that around here. This was a mistake. <laughs> you know, you gotta, gotta, the guys who have bully in his name, you kind of got to... That's kind of a sign to me. I don't know, maybe... He, um... Probably like filed for the job under an alias. That could like, be. Wait, Big Music, your middle name is Bully. You really <laughs> should have disclosed this. It's like when divas have nude photos these days, and they're like, oh, probably should have disclosed this, but you know, disclosed. Oh, disclosed. Let's see. Uh, you had an actual tag team division back then, not guys thrown together. Although these, like that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, if you care about that stuff, I mean, you had just, two men wearing the same kind of pants. That, yeah, that's true. That was um, that was important. I mean, you know, you could have your mishmashed, you could have your Kozlovs and Santinos, and well, you have the Usos. They um, <laughs> they look similar, and uh, the Bellas. Sure, <laughs> yes, they count, and um, they look similar. Yeah, I'm 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 racking my brain. It's the Nexus guys, right? Who are the current? Mm-hmm. Okay, they wear the same shirts. That's something. You know, if you did the um, the traditional tag team Survivor Series match, it would in fact be Nexus and the Usos against Santino and Kozlov and the Belts. <laughs> I really want now that their partners have been cut. I would like to see Trent Beretta and JTG form the Crime Busters <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like run around with magnifying glasses and figure out who took a pie off somebody's windowsill. And- <laughs> Who tied the mare shoelaces together and, you know, big city crime like sure. that. Sure. The crime busters. That's so great. Put them in. Yep. Uh, music was a lot better. <laughs> I, feel, I feel safe in saying this. There were some distinctive songs, yes. It, everything was not... Before um, Kevin Dunn came around and found, like, his inspirational artist who gets him through a few years, which right now is Kevin Rudolph. <laughs> yes. And, um, well, uh, as far as what was better, what was worse was, um, matches are, guys have the opportunity to have a lot more exciting matches these days. I think if you, there's, you know, if, if you can't have good matches, they kind of frown on that where it was not an issue back in the day. You have the Boris Zukovs of the world running about. 
Absolutely. Um, and I, I know guys were more fundamentally sound back then, and you know, but they didn't really have the opportunity to to do a whole lot. Yeah, between the schedule and um, the just the standard that was expected of them, they really didn't. Uh, and today's guys, are, I mean, I'm not going to say they all grew up and are like marks now, whereas back then they got it. They knew yeah. it was all about cash, mm-hmm. money, brother. That's that's how things are running TNA today. Now it's all mm-hmm. about drawing money. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, the guys now like have an actual like real serious work ethic from the main eventers to like the bottom guys, and they all want to actually like do grievous bodily harm to themselves to put on a good show. Yes, they were, uh, matches were rather limited in the um, stipulations they had. They had um, <laughs> cage matches and uh, battle royals. And <laughs> big blue cage matches. Yeah, big blue. Those pesky metal bars. And I mean, I don't know, mixed tags, um, special refs. <laughs> there were certainly no uh, elimination chambers or uh, Hell in a Cells or TLC matches or ladder matches or anything of the sort. Weren't there, like, Harlem Sewer Rat matches? <laughs> well, there were matches involving Harlem Sewer Rats, but I don't think they were official. Uh... Was it a, Har- a Harlem Street Fight, I'm guessing, was probably just a regular match where he threw him into the guardrail? <laughs> yeah, maybe they wore jeans. Yep. Yes, yeah, so why don't, we, why don't we dive into uh, the year of 1990? I know chronologically it gets a little tricky because of the differences. They used to tape television a month a month's uh, worth. In a, in a day, so you'd have these um, 10-hour television tapings, which I sadly never uh, attended one. I tried to in 1990. It was sold out. Actually, that was the, the, the uh, debut of Big Bully Busick, so um curious. You're lucky you didn't run into him. Though. That's very true. And he would have held you upside down by your feet and shaken all the coins out of your pockets. <laughs> of which there were many. <laughs> so why don't we... We'll start the year 1990. Hulk Hogan is, of course, in his second reign as the WWF champion. The Ultimate Warrior is the Intercontinental Champion. And the colossal connection of Andre the Giant and Haku, who were, in fact, kind of thrown together, belying my earlier point about uh, the tag division, they were the tag champs. So They shared an affinity for all things colossal, mm-hmm. I guess. Sure. They were members of the Heenan family. That, that, that counts for something. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with the uh, the Royal Rumble of that year, the Royal Rumble 1990, and uh, this was to show the difference. Uh, the undercard here was um, complete crap. It was uh, it was I don't I mean I don't even know if there were really issues behind most of these matches. You know, there was an extended brother love interview segment, which uh, I know that uh, Sensational Sherry and um, Sweet Sapphire were uh, tied to two pretty big stars, but still, I, th- th- this one fly on Raw. Never mind paying money for an extended segment. No, it's not quite today where you get uh, your two world title matches, uh, a, a rumble, a hot match uh, between two other guys, and then the girls match that fills that five match rumble card. We had bushwhackers and a great deal of ass biting. Say you on the previous show. Yes, you you are not a fan of the ass biting, and here it was right from the get go. Yeah, I am now. I mean, I've okay. matured. I've uh, diversified my palate with that sort of thing. So I know Ronnie Garvin won maybe his only match in the WWF when he beat uh, Greg Valentine in I Quit Match. So there's another step for you. It was, but I mean it. 
the only one, right? The only iQuick match you'll find there. I and, believe so, yes. And it wasn't so much built around so much built around like an intense physical war as it was guys playing with their legs. <laughs> That's right, the hammer jammer. Which apparently what the could the fuck was the hammer jammer <laughs> doing, Joe? I don't understand the physics of that match at all. I didn't get it. I just remember Ronnie Garvin making faces at a uh, like like um not like pained faces, but like Oh ho! Your move has no effect on me because mm-hmm. I have a shin guard on. And why has no one else your hammer? Why? Why isn't any of Ric Flair's opponents adopted this strategy? Right. If it's oh, I don't know. It must. There must have been a ruling on it, like Lex Luger's robot arm. You'd think a plastic shin guard. I don't know. More thought is being put into this than perhaps originally. It did. only jammered hammers. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess there are different techniques. Moving on to the uh, Royal Rumble itself, which was actually a hell of a rumble, kind of an underrated one. And then you had um, enormous star power. Like, you had Hogan and Warrior in it. Uh, only time they were within that, the rumble. You had Andre, you had Savage, Dusty, DiBiase, Jake, Piper, Rude, Mr. Perfect. A ton of, like, ton of, uh, you know, big stars, a lot of cool storylines of the match. I know DiBiase was kind of cruising along. Jake came out, they were feuding. A whole bunch of stuff going on. You had the big showdown where Hogan and Warrior uh, were left in the ring together, which was mind-blowing at the time. I don't know. I know you – actually, I think you started watching a little later than this, but um, I'm sure you've revisited it. And uh, Right. I spent that, the year of 91 just immersing myself in, mm. in 1990, so I'm quite familiar. It was the first Rumble I saw retroactively. Mm. And uh, – my question here is, why did Hulk Hogan win this match? Like, if you're if you're setting up Hogan and Warrior, why don't you have the Warrior eliminate him? Mm. There was nothing mm-hmm. on the line. There was there wasn't not even like there was no WrestleMania shot. There wasn't even like a cash prize. Like you could win a million bucks. It was just a match, and Hulk Hogan, who was already the champion, won. Which no one's ever. I never thought about it, but it kind of is strange. I I was just thought like oh yeah I mean Hulk Hogan would win because he's better than everybody else. Hmm. But then I didn't see the '89 one until well after, and I was like, all right, Hulk Hogan has entered this match. Look out, wrestlers! And then he got eliminated, and I was like, wait a minute, how could a Hulk Hogan be thrown over the top rope and have two feet touching the floor? He dominates the rumbles, as far as I know. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't know that. Well, they probably did. But so maybe because Warrior was going to win, Hogan could get a win here, or maybe it was just as simple as you know every show ends with Hogan getting his hand raised, and that was their what they do. I guess They're in the Hogan leg dropping business. And business <laughs> That's true. Good. This, this was still fine. But uh, Tony Schiavone called this show with Jesse Ventura during his brief stint with uh, Titan, and I thought he did a good job. And it's funny that pretty much everyone in the Rumble match would later jump to WCW to have their matches called by Tony. So maybe uh, that was a catalyst for many a brand switch. They probably thought he had the mustache, though. That's true. They were sorely disappointed when he Shivani stash stash, and he sucked in later years. But <laughs> yeah, I'm anytime uh, all time best uh, Rumble talk comes up, as it is customary around January time, I always really hammer home the point that the uh, all the like post two thousand three Rumbles are really way better than all the ones that came before them because mm. it had people in it who would actually do stuff and yep. like run around <laughs> but um so you compare that to these 
uh, early ones where it's just like some dude comes out and they exchange axe handles to <laughs> shoulders and things like that and, and rope hug and whatnot. So, but, um, as far as these, like, this really was a good one and it did have like some really hot wrestling sequences like, um, uh, you talked about that four way standoff with Jake and Piper and DiBiase and somebody else, Savage. And, uh, and, uh, DiBiase did like the, prototype for the Ric Flair match in this. That's true. It was like 40 uh, minutes or so, I want to say. 44 or 47, according to Wikipedia. And uh, he a very large crowd pop when the Ultimate Warrior finally got rid of him. Mm-hmm. They were like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Just get out of here. Uh, six days after that, we had our first Saturday night's main event of the year, even though it was taped three weeks earlier. And the, the big match was Hogan and Warrior teaming up to beat the tandem of Mr. Perfect and the Genius. And uh, after they won, there was friction. Warrior accidentally clotheslined Hogan. They had a big showdown. So what was confusing for me when I went back and was watching the stuff from uh, this year is uh, when I was introduced to the sport of uh, wrestling, the, uh, my friend who had seen it for like seven or eight months before I had so he had a wealth of knowledge to bestow onto me. He taught me that um, Jake the Snake was actually born from a snake family and was part snake, which, I mean, that no one doubts that today. And the other important thing he told me was he said, listen, and he called me over and was like, this is important. What you need to know about the perfect plex is that the perfect plex is the perfect move, okay? No man has ever kicked out of the perfect plex because of how perfect it is. I was like, whoa, now that's perfect. <laughs> so then I would watch these shows, and Hogan was kicking out of the perfect plex. I think Warrior kicks out of the perfect plex at Survivor Series. Yes, he does. And I was just like, what? My life. What happened to the perfect plex? That's but it, it was cool. I like, um, like Mr. Perfect, no disrespect to him, he was indeed semi-perfect, but mm. uh, I think really overrated in the long run because of how short he was and kind of how crap he was after his back injury. Mm. But it, it really was cool to see him uh, working with Hogan and um, and Warrior in top stuff. Yep. Uh, our other big angle of the month was the Big Boss Man turn. They, they had a, a long angle, like back to WrestleMania five, where Jake Roberts stole the million-dollar belt, so Ted DiBiase hired the Boss Man to get it back. But the boss man was mad that uh, Slick took money for this transaction, <laughs> so he gave the belt back to Jake and turned face, which is – it's weird where this guy, like, handcuffed his opponents to the ropes and beat them with a club, would get pissed about a bribe. <laughs> I guess there you go. And he would cut these promos where he, he declare himself to be, like, poor but proud, and I'm like, you're on television. Aren't you, like, rich? Aren't all wrestlers rich? Like, you're a professional athlete. You know, I don't I know the pay scale wasn't comparable to uh, – other major league sports, but still. Uh, I don't know. He had to wrestle in his work clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. That is really like capricious reasoning, though. It'd be like if Skinner turned babyface and was like, "Yeah, I love Skinner," and I get off on it. But for you guys to litter in the park like that, uh, <laughs> uh-uh. I'm no. gonna start. Uh, doing back body drops and baby face comebacks now. So There you go. Uh, also, Tugboat debuted, who was a large man in a sailor outfit. 
who, uh, he later... was a human tugboat. He was. I have to read this from Wikipedia. Part of his gimmick included raising his fist into the air and then pulling it down. Open parentheses. Similar to the way one would signal a trucker. Close parentheses. <laughs> and make a toot-toot noise like a fog <laughs> on a ship. <laughs> Thank you. Or a veritable tugboat, mm, if you will. Perhaps, yes. That's what they were going for. Why did Hulk Hogan like tugboat? I don't know. Was it just he was jealous of the relationship of strongman and fat guy held by <laughs> Dino Bravo in the earthquake? He needed his own... Uh, yeah, he was like, I can see where that would be enjoyable. <laughs> I'll call him tiny and joke <laughs> like that. Let's see, moving on to February. The Orient Express debut, this incarnation being Pat Tanaka and Akio Sato, although they lost their first names. Uh, that was my next comment. They had they had very Asian-sounding music. Like, when you heard it, you knew the wrestler in question was not from, say, Milwaukee. Yep, not the Milwaukee Express. <laughs> no, At least they were both real Asiatics. That's true. That became a problem later on when uh, Paul Diamond as Kato replaced Sato, and uh, they fared they fared no better. And um, yeah, Sato was like the the promoter or something of the joint show. I don't know. He worked in I don't know. According to Pat Tanaka, he just wanted to work in the office, so he he quit, and they had to find a a non Asian to uh, fill out the team. Mm. Uh, yeah, and Check. they uh, they had so much trouble they lost to Jesse Ventura and Roddy Piper in a match that was part of their failed pilot tag team. <laughs> really? True. True story. Was that at one of the tapings? I believe so. Hmm. I guess where else would it be? Not like their house. <laughs> no, no one's basement. Uh, the big event was the main event, which took place uh, live on a Friday night, hence it not being Saturday night's main event. And the Big match here was Hulk Hogan beating Randy Savage in a match where Buster Douglas was the referee, which was interesting in that it was supposed to be Mike Tyson, but uh, Douglas knocked him out 11 days earlier, and amazingly, they managed to get Tyson as the replacement. So, uh, I'm like, that's some good work right there. And thankfully, Tyson would get his refereeing due some eight years later. That is impressive. That's Hmm. why... uh I mean, in the Observer, I read the 1990 Observers just because I'm that dedicated to this show. Uh, and it was a big, big crisis in there. It was like, cause they talked about the Tyson thing for a long time. And, uh, it was like, oh no, what a disaster. And then everything worked out and mm. worked out in the best way possible. Douglas, uh, punched out Randy Savage because all boxers have to punch out wrestlers when they appear. They have it coming, you know. Mm. They get in their face <laughs> and they don't like the way that they boxingly refereed. They're gonna eat it in the kisser. Very true. Those, those were tough times for Savage. He had kind of a lost year. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he just was minding his own business for a while. He was like, "All right, Hogan, I get it. I think you're a little bit better than me. I'm gonna go over here for a while. All right, Duggan, come on. All right, I'm the king. I'm kind of a deal. I'm the Macho King, still one of the stranger nicknames." Say that to like someone who's not a wrestling fan and say, this guy's the Macho King. He's, yep. That, I guess, was the hardest one to... You know, cause, well, where did the Hacksaw Jim Duggan put the King part? Was he the Hack Kingsaw? Or Hack King? Hack King? Kingsaw? King Duggan? I, don't I know. guess that was it. And then Haku was just King Haku. That's right. The kingship uh, dissipated. Uh, I guess it was brought back to the King. Career, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Although I guess brought back for King of the Ring in some form. Mm-hmm. But he was deposed when Savage was deposed. Yes. Deposed. He couldn't win the crown anymore. It wasn't like a Final Fantasy helmet. That he was like, oh, plus three wisdom. Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, on to March. Uh, they, split up, they split up the powers of pain, I guess because the Legion of Doom was coming in. I don't uh, really remember, but Slick managed the Warlord and Bobby Heenan took the Barbarian. Warlord was a big stiff. Uh, I did like his Phantom of the Opera mask and his staff with the big W on the top of it. And uh, Barbarian was real good. He just kind of toiled for a few years. Like, I don't know what you can do with a guy with antlers and fur, I guess. He needed to meet Haku and spend the rest of their lives together. And yeah. <laughs> Barbarian between Powers of Pain and then was just biding time until he could meet Haku, which I guess he would in, like, 91. Or not yeah. the end of this year. Yeah, they uh... I guess I know, maybe a Heenan family barbecue. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I guess the uh, what do you say about LOD makes sense. I never really thought about it. I just assumed it was like, oh, you got the barbarian who's big, which is awesome, and you got the warlord who's big, which is awesome. Why are we uh, sending them out at once when we could be sending them out two different, <laughs> exactly really good times? Why well, have them work one show? When they can work too. Yeah, and I was fucking pissed because both of them spent a lot of time beating Tito Santos. <laughs> That's right, they kind of took turns. And I was yeah. like, fuck you. Absolutely, uh, Barbarian kind of started out in his powers of pain gear. I'm glad he moved on, unlike Tito, who had uh, never really got over Strike Force, I guess. Because he wore those tights <laughs> for about 10 years. You're right. Until he became a matador. You're also right. Tito, he was just like, Oh, I'm, I've got no direction, but I know every Royal Rumble. I'm going right for Martell. <laughs> I'll never get that big blow-off match, so this is what i got to do. Yes, he was like, just fucking try and stop me. And Gennetti did the same thing. Like, even I picture when... him trying to say that, and it's pretty <laughs> Just clear out, okay? I'm in this for one, one reason only, and that is to throw a flurry of punches at Rick Martell before we... <laughs> then just start doing spots with other people. Until then, and my other favorite Royal Rumble spot where five guys would try to get one guy out and he hold on and they'd be unable to do so, which I always thought was kind of crap. Like, really? You can't get one guy out? Yeah, there was some interesting fat physics in the 90 Rumble, right? Because no one... Demolition together got out Andre the Giant, who was a literal giant. Mm. But because Earthquake was the new... In vogue, Fat Man. It took the entire ring to mm. get rid of the earthquake. So I don't know. Earthquake just was a with uh, a less deteriorated physical state was able to control his fat better than Andre was. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me. And uh, uh, yeah, okay. I'm glad we talked. About all right, it. I'm glad we worked this out. Uh, they started teaming up Greg Valentine and the Honky Talk Man as Rhythm and Blues. And did they ever do their uh, reunion on the Indies? Because both guys have been there for about 20 years. I don't know. I don't... Uh, Why not? Weird that the Hammer is getting a DVD before Honky Talk, man. He's getting a DVD? Hell yeah. Oh, that's... Oh, yeah, I remember people making jokes. Like, it takes 15 minutes to get started. <laughs> there. I didn't come up with that joke, but it's... A really it's good. good joke. It's a good joke. I applaud the joke. <laughs> really? Wow, I don't... Mm-hmm. Is, just gonna, is it going to be like a single disc? Like, that's, um, that's pushing it to me, I got to tell you. I'm sure, you know, I, I would enjoy it, but I don't... I don't think uh, there's a big audience out there for the hammer. I don't know. I 
I don't know. You need like a disc for his U.S. tag team title run. <laughs> Terry Taylor. That was, was it? Yeah, I believe that was a tailor-made man joke. But you know, nice try. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, were I to uh, proffer a guess as to why there's no reunion, I would just say maybe the honky tonk man hates Greg Valentine like he hates everybody else. It's <laughs> probably a good guess. <laughs> Oh, yes. Here's a guy who didn't get it and never will. Unlike me, <laughs> the honky tonk man. Yes, Craig Valentine just never learned the lessons of... So whatever. was Valentine blues and honky tonk man was rhythm? or I believe that's the case. Okay. And he dyed his hair. Yes, right? he did dye his hair. I'm very unfortunate. And Sherry Martell started as... Or no, she was with honky tonk man before that. As uh, the girl. Who liked the Honky Tonk Man? Oh, Peggy Sue? Yeah, that was a uh, a bit before. Let's see. WrestleMania came together, so why don't we get into it? WrestleMania 6, the ultimate challenge. Uh, you know, the, the, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a one-match show, but I, I enjoy this card greatly. The the big match was Hogan Warrior. And let me ask you, like, what do you think, have you seen this match recently, and what do you think of it? No, and... I think uh, it doesn't need to be like rewatched and uh, picked apart because uh, for those two guys to have anything resembling a good match is uh, a credit to them. And even if it wasn't like the greatest match of all time that I thought it was when I was in fifth grade and on for a long time, it's still I think a feather in both guys' cap. Yeah, it's and Patterson's. Yeah, I think you know it's a good match. It holds up. You know, it's, I don't know, maybe it's nostalgia, because this was just, I mean, you had one guy, uh, the warrior, who lost once in his tenure due to nefarious cheating, and you had Hulk Hogan, who basically lost only once in his tenure due to an evil twin referee. So you really wondered what would happen when these two met up. Like, someone had to win, someone had to lose. Wins and losses matter, Justin. <laughs> right, because when we when Steve Austin and The Rock was clearly a, a much bigger match when it happened, but you know those guys weren't superhuman like invincible gods. No, and I'm not exaggerating when I say gods; they were like uh, gigantic titans beamed down from some <laughs> unearthly realm. One had like his own religion, and the other had some kind of weird cult type thing going on. I mean, guys who get pushed do a ton of jobs these days. Like, Dolph Ziggler lost three times in a week and he was the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. Right, right. <laughs> it's just... So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it was a big deal. And um, also in the Observer, because um, like WrestleMania 4 and 5 were so really, really bad, that mm-hmm. there, it's not like there was excitement that WWF was going to put on another WrestleMania. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, one of these is happening, uh, and uh, it'll probably be bad. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the rest of the, I mean, there was, a lot of stuff happened on this card. You had Demolition winning the belts for the third time. You had Andre's uh, face turn afterwards. You had Mr. Perfect's first acknowledged loss. Uh, Miss Elizabeth showing up. You had you had Steve Allen. <laughs> before he hated wrestling. And, uh, you know, a lot of the matches aren't that great, but, um, you know, it also... But a lot of it talented also guys are on it. Yeah. yeah. And for, like, a four-hour show, it's very watchable to me. Four hours and only ten seconds for Bret Hart to work, right? Yep. 
I think mean, if you wanted to, you could probably put together like an awesome work rate WrestleMania six uh with like uh Piper versus Savage and the Rockers versus the Heart Foundation, Tito mm-hmm. Santana versus Mr. Perfect, but uh, it didn't work out that way. That's not how it worked back then. You it, it was interesting because like half the matches had some kind of storyline behind them. You know, even if it's like, oh uh Bad News Brown got pissed at Roddy Piper and pulled him out of the Royal Rumble, so let's have a match. And the other half would just be like, all right, here, these two guys are having a match. And then they would just do promos on each other. Like, I don't remember any outstanding issue between Rick Martell and Coco Beware, but they had a match and they, you know, Rick Martell said, you know, he's pretty and Coco Beware made a bird analogy and they had a match. <laughs> this is, it was beautiful the way he summarized it. Mm. Like, I'm sure he, he, didn't like how Coco Beware looked or smelled. Probably <laughs> disgusting to me. <laughs> Coco Beware is like, dude, be more like a bird. <laughs> that was enough. That's all but, you needed. So, yeah, because yeah, today everybody has to find a dance partner. And uh, when someone, it's very awkward when someone can't find one, like Jericho a couple years ago when he had to wrestle like Jimmy Snuka and them. <laughs> That's like, right. It's like musical chairs. You find your guy and it's like, all right. Let's do this. Then, you know, Rick Rude was getting the next um, uh, main event challenge uh, run with the Warrior, so he just beat uh, who, Jimmy Snooker. Jimmy Snooker. Like, all right, just give me one. It was not, not a super card by any stretch. No. But um, the Ultimate Warrior won, of course, in a shocking upset. He held both the World and Intercontinental uh, championships, and after the show, Jack Tunney said that they could not rematch because they pushed themselves to the limit of human <laughs> endurance or some such nonsense to get out of a rematch, and Warrior could move on to Rick Rude for the summer. So they stripped the Warrior of the Intercontinental Belt and put it up in an eight-man tournament. It was strange because they had an eight-man tournament, but two of the first-round matches had no winner, so Tito and Mr. Perfect went right to the finals. Like, I don't know what their hurry was, but I guess they had to do this quick, and... um Interesting, they taped the finals on April 23rd, and then taped one of the opening round matches on the 24th. So, thankfully, that opening round match went to a double DQ. So. <laughs> I had to clear it up as quickly as possible, because yeah. the Continents were just panicked with no sure they had champion to represent them. They were like, what? what's going on? That is weird. Um, and that uh, tournament, for we, we've talked on previous your shows and Alan shows about the glory of a good healthy set of brackets and this was not one of the healthier sets of brackets no it was it was just strange to me but you had Mr. Perfect as the Intercontinental Champion which I'm sure everyone was very pleased with because he was a very good Intercontinental Champion not really this first reign but the second one was where uh, he hit his stride yeah it was, the the finals wasn't the famous four star match with Tito Santana right that came later on Something. Yes, that was on a Saturday night's main event in, I want to say July, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, boy, I wonder if we should, uh, phone Alan because, uh, we have some Japan to talk about here. <laughs> yes, they had a summit with, uh, new and all Japan wrestling in the Tokyo Dome on April 13th. And I don't know if you've ever seen this show. It's a bit of a, uh, a curiosity, but it's actually a good show. Because you had um, you had uh, good matches and some bad ones, but you had and the, weird matches and very strange ones. Yes, like Giant Baba and Andre <laughs> beating Demolition, and uh, 
just some <laughs> the great Kabuki beating Greg Valentine, and it's on the DVD. <laughs> and <laughs> well, he apparently used Roxette's "She's Got the Look" as his entrance music, so they would have to edit that out. <laughs> it's very strange. It would just come out to the Undertaker's fake American badass song. <laughs> Why not? And um, yeah, it's and you had the uh, the somewhat famous uh, Hulk Hogan, Stan Hansen, one of the, the famous famed, backstory. Yes, where uh, I believe Terry Gordy refused to do the job, so Stan Hansen uh, snuck in there. And you know what? The them Japs loved him even more for it because they knew. Okay, mm-hmm. they knew. They knew what what was going on. This is one of your famous uh, Hulk Hogan knows he can wrestle when he goes to Japan matches. <laughs> yes. Oh, when he was head dropping everybody. Right That's there? right. And using all these MMA moves. That's right. That's right. Hogan in Japan. <laughs> crazy. Have you seen his 450 over there? <laughs> no, I haven't. You also had uh, Warrior beating Ted DiBiase, and actually a pretty good match by Warrior stands. It should have been on his uh, DVD. His um, oh, what was the name of it again, too? Again, right? Was it like uh, maybe before another Saturday Night's main event? May have been later in the year. Around there, yeah, I believe you're right. And the uh, the uh, Tiger Mask Two Bret Hart 20 minute draw is uh, all right, I guess. I don't know. It's what not what you think. Because Tiger have. Mask Two is, of course, that was uh, Masawa. Right. So that's you say. Oh my gosh! And then it's just like, oh well. Yeah. And yeah. have you heard like the dubbed commentary for that match? Like that I've seen with um, subtitles. It's really weird. Really? What do they say? Well, they're like, you know, oh, this is really good, Lariato, etc. And uh, I can tell you fans for sure, these are two men whose health will in no way ever suffer from competing in professional. <laughs> really? It's weird. It's I'm... like the ring. Wow. The original <laughs> ring horror movie. <laughs> Jay horror. It's creepy. Well. <laughs> weird. But I like the... I, um, the Brett Masawa match here, I think, is less interesting than that 1997 uh, WWF Japan Super Show with uh, Rocky Maivia against Jun Akiyama, which <laughs> less people know about. I was actually unaware of this. Yeah, it's crazy. That Hogan sounds crazy. Worked it, too, because WCW was there, and um, <laughs> he was doing all these kicks to the face that he learned. He was like very influenced by Ken Shamrock at that. It was like a UWFI thing. Hmm. Hogan over there, he just because I mean he's always been able to go hard. He just knew that in America, people didn't want that. Nope. So, better than Flair. There you go. Moving on to uh, Saturday night's main event on uh, April twenty eighth had one of the better matches of the year in Heart Foundation Rockers, which um, one of those like I don't know what work rate is, but this match is really good. <laughs> it's fast. It is. <laughs> they are doing things. It's fast, and I think it is going to end, and then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hogan beating Perfect to kind of cap that off, and Warrior beating Haku of all people in his first, oh, sort of first title defense. Another Heenan charge. Yep. To set up. For- Burying the tag champs. <laughs> no, they lost him, I guess. But still, you know, I, you know. I was kind of wondering why Haku. Well, I guess he was a former tag champ. That. Should get you something, right? He was in a long line of kings too, so there you go. I guess he earned it. He's um, the late king. Mm-hmm. On to uh, May, where the 
big angle was the earthquake attacking Hulk Hogan on the Brother Love show, giving him the butt splash and knocking him out of action maybe forever, or at least long enough to film <laughs> Urban Commando. I mean, for a man so fat to sit that many times, I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> surprised he lived through that. I saw a recap video they did, and although it was really crude by today's standards, it was still very effective because they had all these highlights. And then they just cut to Quake sitting on him, and the music would go, dun-dun-dun. <laughs> and it ended with a shot of Hulk Hogan's locker closing very slowly shut. And there was talk the Hulkster would have to retire, but Tugboat would have none of it, and started a letter-writing campaign to get everyone's addresses onto the WWF mailing list. <laughs> Tugboat was like, there's a human boat, and Hulk Hogan's <laughs> best friend... I'm calling on the WWF universe. <laughs> uh, yes, that phrase did not to exist. To receive catalogs from <laughs> us in perpetuity. <laughs> and uh, the Bolsheviks started having problems. <laughs> Probably because oh. they never won, but um, first after he lost the demolition and then breaking up for good after he lost to the Rockers, Nikolai became very pro-American. He got a boost from uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. It was really popular for a while, but he was uh, kind of inexplicably gone by the end of the year. I know he was like 43, but they still brought him back like four years later. Under more trying times. Yes. I think the Bolshevik breakup was supposed to be a metaphor for the demise of the Soviet Union itself. That would seem accurate to me. Um, I liked actually Volkov and Duggan as reformed patriots a lot more than Duggan and Slaughter. I didn't mm-hmm. believe Slaughter. He wanted his country back, and uh, as far as I was concerned, he couldn't have it. No way. Like, Slaughter basically all but relished in the deaths of American soldiers. <laughs> That's true. We'll get to yeah. I have a lot to say on like that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on to uh, June, something, the Jake Roberts Bad News Brown feud. Turns out Bad News was afraid of snakes after Jake's sent him a package with a rubber snake in it. So, bad news, he took some logical choices of action. He tried to destroy the snake with a chair. Failing that, he went to a hypnotist in Harlem, <laughs> which I believe he was uh, falsifying that on, or perhaps this was a poor session because he was still afraid of a rubber snake. So his only course of action was to collect 200 pounds of Harlem sewer rats and bring them to the ring with him. And this was the angle that led to bad news leaving the WWF. That I mean, that checks out. That's, uh, you know, what else is, what alternative does he have? I don't know. Jake's going to get all at you with his snake. Bad news, he was clear. He said, I hate three things. I hate, one, snakes. Two, Survivor Series teams. Three, <laughs> losing wrestling matches. So. No, I have to, I remember one of these promos he cut with his cage of sewer rats, which had a <laughs> cover over it. And first it was of all, just a big, like, brown wooden box, right? <laughs> this cage was shaking violently, like every rat was having a seizure. They were from Harlem. It was, it was somewhat phony, and Bad News bragged he would not feed them for a month to get them ornery. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not big on the biology of the, uh, Harlem sewer rat, but I'm guessing they would be dead after not eating for a month. Unless they fed on each other, and maybe he would have a oh, rat at the end. That'd be cannibal rats. Oh yeah, some like twenty pound rat at the end. That the would rat Damien. The rat king. <laughs> Could have passed oh, that. Gosh. But yeah, that was weird because I mean, rats being 
prey of snakes in the food chain, but I guess they were really big, so it was going to be like rat's revenge. <laughs> Fuck you, noble snake. <laughs> uh, that snake guy was coming to it, don't you think? When an earthquake sat on a bag, which uh-huh. possibly contained the snake. Yep. Yes. Oh. I should have done that years prior. <laughs> he, he really didn't have the control to sit down like that on target. No, he would have pooped on it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> he should have done that anyway. If you want to, like, rub your snake on your I'm just going to poop all over your snake. Why well, not? Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Get another snake, name it off another alias of the devil, and clean all the poop off it, Jake. Checkmate. <laughs> Oh, this is the high point of <laughs> I feel like I'm Jimmy Fallon on an old Saturday Night Live. I'm just, you know, I just can't keep a straight face. Never part of the poop fun. on a snake. <laughs> anyway, moving along, thankfully, the Legion we of Doom showed up this month. And pooped all <laughs> Oh, The former Road Warriors got a remake of sorts with a sort of new name. And their keen red shoulder pads. And they kind of lost something in the WBF when they called their fans little doomers. <laughs> they sold those really cheap plastic shoulder pads that, you know, look like someone cut a construction paper before the show. <clears throat> yes, if they tried to gouge Dusty Rose's eyes out with them, it would have been a lot It would not have been successful. It would have just been like, um, what are you doing? It's indeed... Also, skits around this time with the Million Dollar Man, still mad at the boss man, went to Cobb County, talked to the former people in the boss man's life, like his former football coach, all who called him the boss man, which I thought was, like, he, he didn't have a name. <laughs> he just knew. He just, <laughs> the boss man. He should have found that tall orange prisoner, the boss man, <laughs> he's in prison. Yeah, if you want someone to badmouth him, like, he had a legit... Claim. He cut promos while he was still in prison. You know? <laughs> and it did not affect his parole at all. No, this was still fine. Boss, man, I'm going to kill you soon. I'm reformed citizen. <laughs> I still wear my outfit wherever I go. <laughs> so I'm ready to Just adjust like back you. into the real world. It was a work release program. <laughs> They had the hearing, they were like, are you going to try and win matches, or are you just going to choke guys with a nightstick? And he's like, win the matches with wrestling moves. Are you frothing at the mouth right now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Anyway, moving on to Crush. Crush showed up as the third member of Demolition. Somewhat confusing to me as a youngin, though I guess... The storyline was they were scared of the Heart Foundation, even though they had kicked everyone's ass for yeah. years. Now they were afraid, so they brought in a big uh, third man. The real issue was uh, Axe having health issues. So they brought in his identical twin. Yeah. So, which, uh, actually, Axe outlived Crush, so I don't know what that means in the end. Because he got it taken care of early. Mm. Was he allergic to shellfish? I remember... Propagating the statement that was, they thought he had heart problems, but. 
It's not much pain and destruction. <laughs> Thankfully, we had the access to the demolisher. Did they um? Did uh, they ever explain like? Did they have like an emotional reconciliation with Mister Fuji? And were like, we you made mistakes. You made mistakes. <laughs> we need to get back together for the good of all of us. Oh, Mister Fuji made mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, going with the powers of pain over demolition, who were the champs at the time. <laughs> yep. Slightly worse decision, no, uh, only slightly better than challenging Hulk Hogan after Yokozuna was having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It's like a bad bad relationship. That's why he won worse manager for 15 straight <laughs> years in the Observer. He was like, guys, we got a title match, and here's where it gets better. I'm in the match, and I can lose for us. <laughs> I'm going to try a leg drop off the top. He's going to land on my ass. Mm. <laughs> hey, the Sarge came back. Sergeant Slaughter, this time as a heel. Uh, and he was mad about Nikolai being embraced by the fans, saying, you know, hey, I fought these guys for years, and now you're just going to cheer for them? Which is actually a logical heel turn. <laughs> he added a Saddam lookalike as a manager and got behind Iraq, and things got a little off the rails for me. <laughs> Like I, I get, I get the first part. I don't really get the second part. Yep, that escalated. It did. What a pity Muhammad Hassan wasn't uh, around back then, because he would be legendary. Yeah, I, I mean, there, I guess there really wasn't the fundamentalist Islam aspect of the hatred of those. No, people. I suppose not. But still, he also did briefly. Uh, he was the atomic nogi or the knuckle hold if you go by old results. Thankfully immortalized in the WrestleFest game because he dropped it pretty quick. Yes, because um, I only knew him as a camel clutchesman and I uh, didn't know about the cobra clutch. Mm. Which uh, So he would be doing this head punch and I was like, can you just put them in the camel <laughs> clutch? Because that looks like it hurts. <laughs> yes, and... Um that was a game that really treated the tag team division with some respect. That's true. Even that was... in the Warrior or nobody's. That's all you could do. Uh, and um, that we're... game they made today would be awesome. Why can't There's... they make that and put it on WWE.com? Oh, Joe, this is an amazing idea. If I don't have that much nostalgia in their marketing. It seriously. H yes. It it seems pretty simple. Hopefully they bring back the announcer, too. We need to make this happen. There are smart people out there who update, like, Tecmo Super Bowl for current stuff. Why can't they do this? Why can't you stick John Cena in there? Have him do things. (laughs) Attitude adjustment. Wrestling moves? Yes. After winning a best of three punch (laughs) competition? Perhaps a submission move, which leaves his opponent slumped on the mat. Cody he Rhodes can high five his his tag part. <laughs> Rhodes and McIntyre will be the bosses of the game. <laughs> oh God! It should be David Otunga by himself. Yep. <laughs> Who would be the bosses of the game? Um, the Usos. Yep. There you go. Oh boy. Uh, Bruce Beefcake's career to move to a dour note. Sadly got derailed after a parasailing accident on the 4th of July. Uh, His face got derailed. It did. He was, I don't know, apparently he was going to take the icy title at SummerSlam. He'd be around. He says that every year. Yeah. 
Maybe. I don't. Possibly. I don't know. But he was around for another decade or so, but never got close to where he was. And I don't think he would have been world champ as the barber, but certainly upper mid card type of guy. And a lot him, of, uh, him beating uh, perfect at WrestleMania six uh, in the Observer, Dave said that. The result of this match was like back and forth, and it ended this way as Hogan's present to Beefcake. <laughs> you know, I, uh, Beefcake was all right back then. He wasn't a total, you know, he wasn't a tugboat level friend of Hogan getting a boost. No, he had cool music. He did. He had that, he had that uh, funk bass thing going. <laughs> Not quite, but... No, no. Let's say quite. Okay. Now, if he if he doesn't get hurt, let's say he does win the IC belt, Perfect probably doesn't get it back, right? He doesn't get that second reign. Oh, because he wouldn't self-destruct the way uh, a certain Eric did. Yeah. Maybe Brett doesn't get it then. Maybe he oh does. Oh, my God. And uh, Sean doesn't put Marty through the barbershop window. This is crazy. There's no barbershop window to be put through. They would just have to guy. push him off the platform they use for interviews. <laughs> People would still think he super kicked him off instead of kicking him and then shoving him. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich debuted, made a lot of tornado-based puns. Probably too late to do much good. It did not uh, last too long for him. He spun around and punched like <laughs> He did. That was his move. And uh, that Saturday Night's main event... Well, that was the setup move, right? Yes. Yeah. And he would punch you for the win. Like a tornado. Yep. Uh, the, uh, this month, the Saturday Night's main event had the awesome uh, Santana Perfect match. One of those. I don't know what work rate is, but this match is exciting matches. Also, Rick Root against the Warrior in a curious match, because that's the feud they were going with at the time. Normally, they would use something that had been uh, all used up on the house shows. Yeah, because they started in, I want to say, May. So by the time they got SummerSlam, it's no wonder nobody cared about it anymore. And, uh, yeah, maybe this needed a reason to have it be a cage match. I would think that's the case. And he's a logical uh, opponent because he had the win over him. It's just, uh, yeah. They ran and he he beat him in every city, too. So Mm. it was like, not, not, uh, much of a threat by that point anymore. No. And you had the uh, aforementioned Tornado beating Buddy Rose. And I think this was the one that had the famous blow-away skit. And, and if you don't know, uh, Playboy Buddy Rose was in the WWF at the time, basically as a jobber. And uh, they gave him a phony diet skit where he lost weight by putting powder on himself and blowing it off with a fan. I get that he was like a he was a big star elsewhere. I didn't really know that at the time, and I didn't know why this guy got a second <laughs> national television. It's like if Primo Cologne got... Uh, you know, something on NBC yes. today. Like, that's probably what he's most famous for, which is kind of a shame, but at least you're famous for something. Indeed. And uh, Power and Glory got together, and I have expunged at length about them. But they were really awesome, and I, I don't know what happened with them. The wheels came off really fast. I don't know why. They were like a shooting star in the night. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Uh, <laughs> Powerplex. Uh, moving on to August, I know uh, Sapphire started receiving lavish gifts from a secret admirer. It was mm. curious. 
this is where <laughs> they, they never really drop stuff back then because they had to do a month's worth of stuff in a day. So you really couldn't, <laughs> yeah. you couldn't change your mind midway through the taping. And that was, um, that was a positive. And Jesse Ventura left the company and, uh, that sucked because Roddy Piper replaced him and he was a step down. Though he did have one golden moment we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, Roddy Piper is like secretly great in 1990. It's just none of it ever happened on TV because he mm. didn't he have a feud with Rude, and then um, he took a bunch of bookings for Dusty Rose when Dusty Rose got hurt and had these really good matches with Savage. Mm. And then was it this year or the next year that he had a run with Mister Perfect? So yeah, he was doing fine work. He was. Now, of course, the Hulkster. Said, hell no, I'm not retiring. Read to come back at SummerSlam. With Tugboat in his corner, but they did an angle where um, he was attacked by the Quake and Dino Bravo. I don't know why they did this. He was replaced by the big boss man, who was already guest refing the uh, Jake Roberts Bad News match. I, I don't know if Quake needed more heat, if they were wanted to keep Tugboat off pay-per-view as long as they could. <laughs> it was weird. Um, the observers of that time period... Uh, said it was an ego thing, which is an amazing to think about, that Tugboat needed humbling because he got a big head. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm the fucking Tugboat, okay? All those wins over Boris Zukov really uh, mm-hmm. swelled that ego. That's crazy. I'm yep. trying to think, because he didn't wrestle. He debuted after the Rumble, wasn't at Mania, missed SummerSlam, was in the ring for like a minute at Survivor Series. Yeah. He was in the like, Rumble, missed that WrestleMania 7. She's in the natural disasters. Damn. And uh, that brings us to SummerSlam, which was a pretty good show. You and I have talked about this before. You had the Tornado winning the icy belt, Hearts winning the tag titles. Warrior retains in a cage match and Hogan beating Earthquake, but only by countout. And it turns out it was Ted DiBiase who was sending gifts to Sapphire and bought her off. And the snakes and the rats, there was no yes. decisive winner. I remember Jake, I think, gave the finger... The bad news during the match. <laughs> he whipped him into the corner, and he, I believe he used his middle digit at some point, and uh, it was quite comical. And Shawn Michaels blew out his knee, and they had that cool match where Marty Jannetty fought by himself against right. the boys. No, uh, he tried. He tried. Uh, the Ted DiBiase Sapphire thing, she accompanied him to the ring for a few matches, and then just vanished, like... Did he send her to a home or something? I don't know. <laughs> they never really... I don't know. She just vanished, and Dusty Rhodes was still mad. Uh, never thought of it that way. Yeah, he just uh, it became less about her and more about his son. Mm. Yes. Dusty's Sapphire's son as well. <laughs> oh, and what, wasn't uh, Tito Santana versus Rick Martel supposed to be on SummerSlam? And uh, Martel had an injury or something and was gone for a few months that summer. And so they said that the Tito Santana-Rick Martel match that they've been announcing was canceled because Martel had a more important obligation to a fashion show in Paris. <laughs> sure. And that brings us to September <laughs> Battle Cat debuted, who I believe was Brady Boone doing some somewhat cool high flying things. But that was just such—I mean, Battle Cat really? The cat Battle could, Cat, the cat who battles. Well, they had to bring the cat in to get rid of all those sewer rats. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he should debut. He just ate rats. 
Oh, that would be good. And uh also see. the dog came, right? The bulldog came at the Bulldog end. came back and he was gassed at the gills. He was big and braided. He was. And uh he power slammed guys. Runningly. Also, uh Tony Alice returned as Saba Simba, African tribesman. <laughs> Only slightly worse than uh Abraham Washington's sidekick. <laughs> One of those weird rumble ninety one guys like <laughs> Shane Douglas was like, who the fuck is this? (laughs) That's right. Shane Douglas was around this year, too, trying to make his way, and he hadn't learned to swear yet. So (laughs) This is where Piper, when Saba Simba debuted, he's like, this is Tony Atlas. This is stupid. (laughs) That's pretty much what he said. So, yeah. uh, Yeah, that was just – it was curious. They also uh, started a feud – the big boss man and Rick Rude, after boss man handcuffed Bobby Heenan to the guardrail, so the dastardly heels responded by insulting the boss man's mother. Uh, this led to Jack Tunney <laughs> suspending him indefinitely for being mean. In reality, Rude quit uh, around that time, because I think he was hurt and was being advertised for shows and not being paid for them. But they still said, uh, well, you're a jerk, so uh, you're, ex- you're expelled from the WWF. This is no place for anything like that. No. Like Hulk Hogan was almost killed by fat <laughs> months before, but... Uh, you blind a guy? That's okay. Yes, yep. But you... <laughs> There's standards. That's right. It was, yeah. I think Bossman cried during an interview segment and upset <laughs> him so much. Speaking of uh, such on to October, there was a, a little thing where Rick Martell was on the Brother Love show. He was using his atomizer to kind of freshen up the joint. Jake was a guest, and uh, Rick went to spray the snake bag. Jake was not a fan of this and got sprayed right in the eye, and no suspension at all. And, uh, yeah, Jake had uh, went to the eye doctor. He had yellow contacts in. It looked gross, but um, it was uh, intriguing to me. But he learned, like, to use his other senses. He did. Like a snake. Like a snake. And Martel was not that remorseful. He was just like, your eyes needed that. You are so disgusting, and I made it better by spraying it in your face. Exactly. Things like that. Hey. Uh, let's see. On that month's Saturday Night's main event, the only thing of great note was the uh, Randy Savage-Dusty Rhodes match, where just prior to it, Ted DiBiase bought out the entire front row of spectators, except for Dusty's son, D- uh, Dustin, who refused to accept the bribe. And uh, Dusty went to protect Dustin from an attack and was counted out. And that was uh, Dustin's national television debut. 20 years later, he's still doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty astounding. I mean, you know, he's not his dad's level of star, but you're basically on television for 20 years. I know he had time off. He was in... And he's had a lot of really good periods. They're just broken up by periods of total relevance or <laughs> shitty tude. Plaque rain. Or seven, and then he All had of these a things. really gold dust. But then he's had good stuff. Booker dust. That's right. He um, had a ten minute challenge with uh, Ted DiBiase and survived. Later, went on Brother Love show. Ted DiBiase tried to buy him again. He refused, and Kerry uh, Von Erich made the save. More than a second, and DiBiase was bad mouthing Virgil a lot during this time, which was curious. Hmm. Indeed. After all that time. This brings us to November and the Survivor Series. And, oh, and uh, Piper hated it, too. Yeah, he did. He was not a fan. 
stuff really built back then, I have to say. I don't want to be all, you know, like, <laughs> all wrestling, terrible, where's my MMA? But, um. Bullet points. Bullet points, yes. <laughs> but for real, you know? But, uh, yes, we had Survivor Series that much, uh, that uh, month of November, where they had the ultimate match of survival, which I don't think they ever really expressly stated what it was. It was just kind of <laughs> out there. They were tinkering with the format already. Men of a certain nature on all the teams <laughs> will unite against men of a different certain nature. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know what we mean. Yeah. Pretty much Rudos and Technicos. And, um, that match had the debut of The Undertaker. So it's been 20 years since that. Dustin's oh, he missed the 20th anniversary show. He did. That's kind of, I, I remember 10 years ago, that decade of destruction. Mm-hmm. Another 10. Damn. Jeez. Kind of a shame. Still. I mean, Kane has a decade of destruction. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I, how long has Kane? Kane hit 13 years? Mm-hmm. He debuted late 97, he showed up? Edge has 12 years. How about that? Oh, God almighty. All this tenure. And we didn't mention Edge being at WrestleMania 6. That's true. He was there. Was Lance Storm there, too? I don't know. DDP was. That's true. He Well, he was actually a part of the show. I don't know if Lance was a fan or not. I know. I probably would have come up on. Well, he was already wrestling then, so um, he had yeah, better he was, things to do. He was inspired to appear on radio shows every two weeks. <laughs> I kind of wish Lance had a little more dignity than that, you know. He should hate Brian Alvarez. He should want to fight him. He should hate him a lot, and he yet he's at his wedding. He's at his wedding. We can say whatever we want about them people, right? Because you're not. You're independent of that. I am. That's Monopoly. Yeah, like I, I like his shows, but I mean, when he's like, I can't wait for the Brian and Vinny show. It's yeah. like, oh man, come on. Come on, Lance. You should be broken down and upset. <laughs> Why are you happy? He's it's... the Uncle Tom of, uh, <laughs> <and> wrestlers. <laughs> Intriguing. So, yes. That's, I mean, yeah, it's just weird to be like, oh, when Lance Storm hears those drops of Terry Funk saying ass, he knows it <laughs> don't get no better. He was like, this is just great. This is top notch. <laughs> yes. And, uh... Ass. <laughs> it never does get old, except when it does. <laughs> uh, great, Collie. Yeah. Iron Cheek says <laughs> all good stuff. All great stuff. Uh, yeah, Survivor Series. Well, you had uh, you had team names, thankfully, in the Ultimate Match of Survival. Makes it a favorite of mine. Oh, those old boxes with the guys on the back, yeah, and foursomes, and the Undertaker's mystery shadow. <laughs> That's still the best mystery partner ever, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. most of them are terrible. <laughs> Like one of the '96 Survivor Series, uh, like Superfly or something. Yeah, like that. Jimmy Snuka. But most week it's like, you know, Randy Orton. You need a mystery partner. How about our truth? And it's, <laughs> oh, oh, really? Not that I expect them to bring back like you know, or have Goldberg show up. But still, right. you know, absolutely. And uh, kind of a shame they never brought back that uh, Ultimate Match of Survival. But I guess. You really can't do the same thing every year, have the heels outnumber the baby faces, because, you know, 
thanks to like a legendary performance by one extremely cohesive unit. Mm. And it's just uh Yeah, someone could, I'm sure, if they wanted to do something stupid and waste their time, go add <laughs> up all the faces and heels for every other Survivor series and see who would have been in the UM. Let's see, off the top of my head. It would have been four on four the year before, which works. Um it would have been Hogan and Warrior again, right? Yeah. And uh Dusty and Beefcake. Against Earthquake, Bravo, Randy Savage, and... Rude and Perfect? Perfect. No, just Perfect. Oh, Rude and per- Piper counted out. Yep. That works. Sure, that's fine. And the next year, it's like... <laughs> Awful. LOD versus... <laughs> Rick Flair. Beverly Brothers and a Nasty Boy. <laughs> oh, and Sergeant Slaughter. Kerry Von Oh, all of Sergeant Slaughter's Tim team. Duggan and I forget the land. Oh, Tito Santana. So it would have been six on... What? Three? Yep, yep. Or six on four, I think. I don't know. And then 92, it stopped. And then 93, uh, all the Yeah, there's just one match. And then 93, it would have had all the doinks. Three Hart Brothers. Uh, Razor Ramon. No, he was... Uh, oh, no. Yeah, and Razor. But no, Marty Jannetty and the one, two, three kid. Oh, that's right. And uh, the Hearts minus... Oh, <laughs> so yeah maybe not a good idea perhaps not perhaps they would have run out of ideas um anything else I just remember Mr. Perfect I thought he was he had the perfect team and he was with Demolition who like in their had their gimp masks on and I <laughs> thought that was kind of an odd pairing I get why they did it but it was still strange to me yeah and yet Warrior couldn't have found people more like him yeah you know? Two guys in face paint and a guy who <laughs> mistaken for him looks facially like him and weird like him. Yeah. Oh, I, I previously mentioned this on the Mike and Tom show, but uh Dusty Rhodes assembling his team, his son debuts, he's a wrestler, <laughs> those ten minutes, he says, No, Coco beware yep. is who I want on my squad. I mean on the dream team. You got a lot of potential, but you're not bird man. <laughs> <laughs> I know what Coco brings to the table. Mm-hmm. He's got that Ghostbuster. He can jump in the air. He's kind of like a bird. Like Dustin was not yet a certified natural, was he? <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. So Undertaker and Dustin both began their 20-year odysseys. Oh. Um, but Dustin didn't work. Nope. Sure. That's too bad. I mean, well, I get why he- they had Coco in there to get crushed by the Undertaker, but still. Yeah. That would have been an awkward Thanksgiving around the Rhodes family. Dusty, he didn't job, but he got the shit kicked out of the Undertaker. <laughs> it's a really impressive debut. They knew and what then, they were doing back then, Justin. <laughs> the end, you had another one of those sneaky good wrestling sequences with yes. Ted DiBiase. <laughs> this is where Sergeant Slaughter cut his... Uh, they, they were crowing so much about how they were on the Americas. Uh, they're broadcasting the show for the troops, and then Sergeant Slaughter's like... Aha, uh-huh, you're all eating K-rations. You suck in the desert. <laughs> it was tasteful. So were the rations. <laughs> I, um... Uh, uh, had an important Survivor Series point, but I forget what it was. It was going to be really funny, I bet. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the team who wasn't the foreign fanatics... Yep. Uh, 
uh, weren't they named after like the Axis in World War II? <laughs> I thought it was the Alliance versus the Axis, maybe. Oh. Or, uh, but yeah, it was team of good Americans like uh, Duggan, the Bushwhackers, Waite, and Volkoff versus the proto foreign fanatics. And I thought it was awesome that um, instead of Zukov, the fourth man with Slaughter and the Orient Express was supposed to be Akeem because he was an African dream and therefore foreign, but mm. he, he gave his notice and <laughs> for the show. Yes, the mercenaries, I believe they were called. Oh, yeah, but it was the alliance on the other side. It was. of uh... The first alliance in WWF. Actually, a much more successful one. Yeah. <laughs> they won. Yes. The Arrivederci's. Or wait, no, Tito Santana was... It was Tito. Volkoff okay, Volkoff was the captain. Yeah. That was great for a Tito guy like me. He had a long year. He got big booted a lot by <laughs> his powers of pain. And then he made it to the ultimate match of survival. And he had his revenge. He knocked out the warlord in the first seconds. I know, that was great and surprising. Yeah, I mean, for you talked about like the build-up to WrestleMania six and how big they were, but how excited were you to finally get like the third man involved in the three Triforce? <laughs> Very. Is that what you just said a second ago? I was talking to myself and loving it. But you mentioned the power <laughs> of Ariba Derchi. Yes, I did. Great, great. And, yeah, uh, but uh, visionaries, as far as teams go, like they had it together. They that's knew. that's my favorite ne- uh, team name, because it's for no other reason than to be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, I give that credit. Um, what else was I think? Oh, <laughs> I just remember. Besides the gobbledygooker, it was Russell Crab. Haha. Moving on. <laughs> They had an intermission during the show. Like they, they used to have them. Like the screen would just say intermission, and you'd get five minutes to go to the bathroom or something. Did you bring that back? I guess they do when they have all these endless video packages. But still, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I just I, like the blank intermission. Wasn't WrestleMania twenty like a five-hour show? They could use it. Was, an yeah, they could have used one. I just remember. Uh, didn't uh, Josh and uh, Rude DeBona go on like a carriage ride before that show? Yes. And I just, I'm just, that ended so badly, I'm just so sad. That is devastating to me. They were Justin Shapiro's sweethearts, if not America. <laughs> I am missing NXT3 to record this show. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, uh, like, oh, Rue. Why? Alright, wrapping up in December, they, uh, they had an icy title switch, which actually took place before Survivor Series. But they just ignored it on the pay-per-view and all the house shows. And then you just aired it in December and pretended like it happened then. I know DiBiase cost Kerry Von Erich the match. Or was it, is it just, um, apocryphal that they taped it because they knew something bad was going to happen at Tornado and needed to have it in case they needed to pull it out? That's, from that's what I hear and I wouldn't be too surprised by that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Valentine turned face after a, uh, the Rhythm and Blues broke up after a uh, errant guitar shot. I believe Saba Simba was involved in the match. And uh, they put the Rumble in place, and they added previews for the Mounties. As previously discussed, yes, the Mountie. They're not the Mounties. I, You know what? I kind of think they were the Mounties. Oh, just because they dress like them? And Despite what they say. 
I strongly believe they were the Mounties. <laughs> I think they doth protest too much. Perhaps. And uh, a last note. I just remember a Sergeant Slaughter uh, promo where he was bad-mouthing uh, kind of everyone. And he talked about, he said Irish maggots, but I thought he said another <laughs> word that rhymed with maggots. If you picture Tito Santana swearing, this was a million times funnier. <laughs> oh, Shades of Big Show calling kind Tiger. <laughs> That's right. And Jim Ross jumping to the rescue saying, he said goofs. How did Sergeant Slaughter earn that title shot anyway? I don't know. He, he did done was hanging out to be fat. <laughs> he used his fearsome knuckle hold to uh, dispense of his adversaries. No, he did not uh, win at Survivor Series. He yeah. had an impressive showing, but uh, he did not win. And I don't know. Hmm. Oh, and uh should also mention the fake Rockers title win, which... Uh, they won the belts, but then, uh, which was actually announced in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I crowed to all my friends with this inside knowledge, but it turned out because of a broken turnbuckle, according to Bill Apter, the result was overturned. Dewey defeats Truman. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I believe that aired on the uh, Shawn Michaels DVD, right? I think so. There you go. Heartbreak and Triumph. And Triumph. That was neither. <laughs> that was neither. And both, all at the same time. So that's uh, your year of 1990. Yeah, I, get, I mean, I suppose that's the big question. Will there be a JVT dub 91? I just, uh, I don't know, I, I feel we must. I, I don't know. know. I know other people are reviewing years and... Uh, but we're doing it better. Well, we did it first, motherfucker. I uh, actually copyrighted the past. I don't know if it's that, but... <laughs> that... And uh, all movies as well? Yes, every film. Good. That's your intellectual property. Yeah, 1990, a fun year. I don't know. Do all you people out there want to hear more? Joe vs. the World! They didn't, so I guess... I I picture someone yelling in uh, Ireland or something. I can't hear you. (laughs) I literally cannot. I couldn't the hear soundboard you. is down again. Justin, trying to record the show. <laughs> it took us about ten minutes to hear each other speaking. Yeah, we used to do this over the phone before the internet. <laughs> That's right. It was even around. I just did a transcript and uh, reenacted. That's it. right. Oh. Yep. It was. Uh, things things are different now than they were at different times. Yes, I think we can both agree about that. That's a good way to. Uh, Wrap this up. Actually, another way, uh, if you could, I will post a link to the March of Dimes page. If you can contribute, I'd appreciate it. If not, you know, no worries. I know times are tight, but, uh, well, something to start off the holiday season, a little giving. Justin and I aren't seeing a, uh, a penny of this, so don't feel bad about that. Wait. Oh, yeah. What? Justin did demand his usual, uh, appearance fee of a bag of Skittles, uh, purple ones removed. When you said dimes, I thought that was compensation. No. Uh, Tens with zeros after them. We'll get into this later on, so... We should get into it right now, because, <laughs> um... Oh, you did it again. You poop on me. Joke. Alright, right. whatever. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, uh, we're gonna wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. I, I imagine we'll be back. This was too much fun. This was too much fun to have. That's legal. And I, I bet it. people enjoy it. I loved it. Yeah, we had fun. I'm gonna wrap this up. 
Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Black Friday. Happy holidays. Whatever you have to celebrate. God bless. Talk to you soon.